Hello and welcome to SpoilerCast, a Hungry Gamers offshoot that aims to inform, entertain and hopefully educate you on one particular release from within the geek culture universe. And on this episode we are tackling a game that was released on March 25th on the PlayStation 5 and PC. It's currently sitting with Metacritic scores of 75 on PlayStation 5 and 79 on the PC, developed by Tango Gameworks and published by Bethesda Softworks. Today we are talking about none other than the first-person action horror game known as Ghostwire Tokyo. Give a quick little overview or setting or synopsis of the game as taken from the official Ghostwire Tokyo website and it reads as follows. Tokyo is overrun by deadly supernatural forces perpetrated by a dangerous occultist causing Tokyo's population to vanish in an instant. Uh, in an instant. <laughs> Joining a powerful spectral entity on their quest for vengeance, you'll master a powerful arsenal of abilities to unravel the dark truth behind the disappearance as you face the unknown in Ghostwire Tokyo. And joining me on this uh, Japanese horror jaunt and breakdown of said Ghostwire Tokyo, Australia's Jono Peck, who can be found at Jono himself on the socials. Obviously, you can find me at Brendan8Bits. But Jono, welcome to the studio. For another episode of Spoiler Cast, how are you feeling? I'm all fired up, Brendan. I'm all fired <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I guess like let let's just park the <laughs> the primary structure and discussion of yeah. of Ghostwire Tokyo for a second, and, and maybe disclose to the listeners what's got you so fired up. Because I know right. it's not specifically well, it's game related, but not in a way. It's not a spoiler, that's for sure. So we're we're spoiler free for the first however long, but. Uh, just before recording, I booted up my Ghostwire Endgame. Well, there's no Endgame save, really, but I uh, tried to load it up and, and clean up some trophies, but you can't do it at the end of the game. Because, well, I couldn't do it at the end of the game because the last save was the autosave that put me right before the final boss battle. So, okay, load an earlier save, did that, got a couple trophies, yay. Then I realized that my progression trophies for finishing the game which there's two of, did not pop last night. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll have to do the final boss fight again. Lo and behold, when I loaded that earlier save, disappeared. So now I only have these two chapter three saves to choose from. And it looks like I haven't finished the game. Like it look, if, if anyone's out there sus on me, they can jump into my trophies and be like, Jono didn't even finish this game. And yeah, as if we're going to take his <laughs> words seriously. This guy hasn't even finished the game. Maybe um, maybe subconsciously uh, Akito snuck into your house and grabbed one of the uh, Katashiros and sort of extracted that save onto that little angelic bit of paper and he's yeah. holding it for ransom. He, he wanted to discredit me before I railed on his game too much yeah yeah but i like before before we uh get too derailed here i i've finished and played the game in full and i know what you're talking about like there's a long 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 credits roll through you know showing all the people that have worked on this game so on and so forth and it goes for an awfully long time and you said you sort of just let it go and went to bed or, or whatever you did so I'm assuming your PlayStation went into rest mode because I mm -hmm. skipped through the credits about two thirds through and it then popped the trophy, asked me to create a new save that I can play as a as a new game plus or use it as a, as a primary to go back to before that final mission, but have 
the the newfound abilities and the costumes and everything you get from finishing the game. So I'm assuming your PlayStation decided to have a nap mm-hmm. partway through that credit sequence, thus leaving you in this uh, Japanese void. Yeah. You're, you're in the spirit realm at the moment, trying to get those trophies pulled back, but I think they're gone. Yeah, I need some spirit to come and possess me to take me into the other world to claim my two trophies that have been lost but it's not, that's it's it not they, they are gone my friend i don't know what you can do outside of yeah replaying uh, that's not, that's um, not your way happen. back through <laughs> spoiler for my opinion on this game that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah and that, that's that's a big thing because you you love a good trophy you love cleaning up those trophies and, and trying to hunt for platinums and it looks like this is certainly going to be lost to the ether mm-hmm. but uh yeah, but before we get too down in the dumps and uh, start throwing too many stones at Ghostwire due to your uh, lack of trophies popping, maybe we should jump in and and share our general thoughts. So, so yeah. listeners, as Jono touched on, the first portion of this podcast is going to be completely spoiler-free. So if you haven't yet played Ghostwire Tokyo and you want to hear some spoiler-free impressions, listen on. You can do safely. We don't uh, spoil anything from a narrative perspective or, or dive into those big old spoilers here, but we will let you know when we do jump into spoiler territory. So you can then pause the episode, go play the game, and then circle back later and uh, listen on and see if you share the same thoughts and opinions as us. So uh, yeah, JP, what would you say um, as far as your overall experience of the game? What do you think of Ghostwire Tokyo? Mm. So... There's the expression wolf in sheep's clothing. And for me, this is a double A game in triple A clothing. It's it's a game that does not feel worthy of Bethesda Softworks, in my opinion. Tango, I don't know. I haven't played Evil Within um, or, or Evil Within 2. And I don't really know what else they're known for. But I was very disappointed in this as a playstation exclusive that usually comes with a certain badge in my eyes of um of quality and it's just a very i can't even say half baked because it's just like they made these clear decisions to do things in a certain way and it just doesn't go all the way it's just from the combat to the, some of the some of the character models and the story and the writing a lot of it is just it feels like double a to me um and and like i've really enjoyed certain double a games like vampire um i would consider one of those in, in the ps4 game, generation yeah, yeah like it, it's a bit janky and like you know it's it is what it is but um that was that executed on that but this is purporting to be a triple a game like there's certain things about it that are fantastic and uh, the visuals and and certain um like i think that there is actually a good story at the heart of it it's just to- not told in a way that comes across which is a pretty big issue um so yeah just overall like, I, I remember the first night i was playing this i was probably an hour in and i messaged you and i was like is is this does this get good like because at the at the start it's very clunky and like the game yeah. the, the combat doesn't feel good and moving around doesn't feel good and exploring doesn't like you just can't explore at the start of the game um, and we'll get into each of those things that I've just mentioned there as we go through the different categories we've got here but that that was very much my general impression how about you yeah like like I was trying to think of a, a way to um 
describe this game in its in its simplest form and and the word that i sort of came up with was uneven mm-hmm. like as you said there's some moments in this game where you're like okay this is going somewhere i really like this mechanic or this visual set piece that's going on i'm excited and then they go you know what that was enough we're gonna yeah. now chuck you back on the rails and make you wander around this eerily empty shibuya and fight the same assortment of enemies over and over again and okay now you're going to talk to that spirit maybe suck it into your little paper angel and then teleport it away in a telephone booth and it was just yes so inconsistent and uneven there was moments that i Mm -hmm. was really excited and thought okay this is where it's going to dial up and just really build momentum from here until the end and they're like nah we changed our mind it felt (laughs) like um yeah the, the the development of this game Maybe there was a bit of turmoil on the back end, obviously, because the I can't remember. I, I feel horrible now, but um, the primary lady behind it that announced it at E3 all those years ago, the internet immediately fell in love with, has obviously since left Tango and started her own studio. So I wonder how much of her vision was lost with her leaving, which could have led to a bit of an uneven development cycle. Akumi Nakimura? Yes, so so with her leaving and, and announcing her new studio recently, I wonder how much of that played a part in the overall vision of this game because there were some really cool moments. Mm. And, and like you mentioned uh, with, with Tango and The Evil Within and The Evil Within 2, phenomenal games, phenomenal. Leaps and bounds better than this game. Right. Okay. Y- you can see little bits of the DNA from that game as far as the delving around and the hiding and the avoiding of the enemies and some of those sort of tense something might jump out at me as I go around the corner moments. You get a lot of that from Live Within, but this is a lot more restrained from a from a horror perspective and from a gore and viscera based perspective. But yeah, the game overall for me it just it just missed the mark. Like the more that we got shown leading up to the release, the less I got hyped and excited about it because it did start to lean more actiony as opposed to real brooding horror mm. i thought it was going to be really claustrophobic and suffocating with all this fog but in in essence the fog was just annoying and a pain in the ass as opposed to being a real scary yeah. uh you know almost entity in itself but um yeah it was just uneven it was clunky and the annoying thing with with this game is as it went on, I found myself caring sort of less and less about the world around me. The side quests, I'm just like, man, I don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. I've, I've saved enough spirits. <laughs> I just want to get to the end and see what kind of resolution I get here with Akito and KK and, uh, you know, the broader range of characters. So, yeah, uneven was my experience in, in gameplay, in storytelling, in visual. But yeah, we'll, we'll dive into those in a, in a more granular level as well. Yeah, for sure. No, I can't disagree with any of that. And it certainly does have these moments where you're like, especially earlier on, where you're like, okay, is this what the game's going to be? No. Oh, is this what the game's going to be? Oh, no. And you kind of get your heart, like going into like this, like one of the early areas you go into is like an abandoned building. I won't say what it is for fear of spoilers but it's like you know when you're inside the building and being kind of funneled into i guess a more linear experience and the game starts to do all these psychedelic kinds of things to you and it is a bit more controlled and it's kind of like a bit more of a like a horror experience i loved those parts man Mm. and that that, it's like that would have been a better (laughs) thing than wandering the streets and clearing fog like yeah Anyway, 
we'll, we'll yeah, get into re- it. Really missed miss the boat. And like, I think we've we've both, as far as like the gameplay loop in this game, we've both got similar similar beats here where it's it's pretty simple. Go to this area on the map, vanquish some visitors, cleanse the gate, which then lifts the fog. Repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a little bit of kernel of the story progressing and then you do it again, you do it again, you do it again, you fight a boss, you do it again, you do it again. Like there wasn't much to the game as far as depth in that gameplay loop and the mechanics surrounding all that, which was yeah. a bit frustrating. Yeah, and as as you go deeper and deeper, I too was just like, I don't care about these side quests. They're all repetitive. That um, They're all... Because you're playing this game where every human has been sucked out of the world, raptured up into spirits. Everyone looks exactly the same. And f- as far as I can tell, like they just have this they have the same issues of you know needing to have some kind of resolution so that they can move on there's not that much variance in in those little side quests and eventually it's just like i see him i'm not even going to talk to him i'm just going to walk straight past him yeah and it, it's just um how, how can i get to the next checkpoint what's standing in my way ah oh, there's a few gates that have to be cleared that will allow me to to access that building so i guess i better go and find those gates it wasn't even i wasn't even like compelled to clear the map to explore because if i did what what really am i going to find i'm going to find another convenience store with a little cat which is nice (laughs) and i'm going to find some more enemies that i eventually just started to run past because they can't catch you i only you only have to fight them if they're in an area that has like a, a gate that you need to clear so yeah it, it just th- that loop was repetitive and the combat which we'll get into detail a bit later also had that repetitive thing of just like get a bit of distance between them and you shoot them until they die this one okay maybe i gotta shoot him in the feet and then shoot him in the face or wait for them to strike it wasn't like a really varied uh gameplay loop like we've just come from playing horizon where you're climbing and you're exploring and you've got this range of abilities and weapons and uh, ways to traverse the environments and you know side quests that are as compelling as any in any game we've played before so to go from that to, to ghostwire was was not quite fair to uh to tango i think <laughs> Yeah, it was certainly like we we sort of stepped off a cliff in a way as far as the art of storytelling with this game. Like there was a few cool moments like that you've touched on there and and some of the some of the enemy types were were mm-hmm. pretty interesting and pretty creepy and freaky in their own way. Oh, yeah. Like I liked that they they lent heavily into sort of that the Japanese mythology and folklore and and stayed very true to the Japanese core in that regard, which was which was great. But as you said too on the back of that the enemies aren't very intelligent. None of them ever try and flank you and get behind you. They just keep coming at you. Most of them are just meandering very slowly. Like zombies, so, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like there's a couple of freaky, freaky enemy types. Like the the big angry woman with the long hair and the giant pair of shears. Mm-hmm. She she could be a lot coming at you with them big scissors. But um, outside of her and maybe like almost the spider esque one you get sort of in the final third of the game, the rest of them are pretty pretty easy and yeah instead of just pushing forward like you do in a lot of these types of games to to push combat all you do is just take a couple of steps back charge up your uh your ethereal ability and then fire and just keep doing that a couple more steps charge it up boom and 
yeah, you don't really have to think. It's not a thinking person's game when it comes to the combat, that's for sure. Mm. Or the puzzles. Yeah, absolutely. And um and when that's your experience time and time again, it it's mm. uh it, it just wears through and knowing that it's just like a I guess eight to twelve hour game, depend or I guess it, it could be up to fifteen, twenty hours if you do all those side quests, let's be honest. Yeah, I was um I was looking at one of the the comps on IGN where they usually get a few different people within the group there to play it and they range from 15 to 25 hours. And I'm like, God, I feel for the person that went 25 (laughs) hours. Like I I rolled credits, my my, um, end credit timer when I got through and it showed me the save and I put the new save in, it was 10 hours, 55 minutes. Okay, mine was 12, but I tend to let the clock run occasionally. So it was probably similar to you. Yeah. Yeah, and that was like... I had a good amount of side quests left. I did a heap early on just to get yeah. some XP. And the good thing with when the map opens up and there's side quests or certain gates that pop up, it tells you what the reward is. So you can immediately work out, okay, maybe that is worth my time because there's a fire bracelet that I can wear that can then upgrade my fire ability. Or maybe I'm focusing on wind so I can get the wind bracelet over there and level that up. So I like that you had an idea of where you could put your time if you wanted to invest in the side missions. Mm. But then at the same time, they were so monotonous and all these spirits that are trapped and asking you to do these stupid ass tasks like I can't find my doll anymore. I think my favorite one though, like taking the piss or taking the poo, there's a spirit trapped in a cubicle and it won't leave until you go find two rolls of toilet paper to give this spirit so it can do its final poo and it does its poo and then it leaves and it's happy and it's like... (laughs) like it was funny but at the same time it's like this game tries to be so eerie and spooky and moody that's a mismatch and then you get that but then you also get with all these spirits you meet they've all got like really high-pitched voices so like that takes a bit of the seriousness out of it too like i played and it's something i guess we just mentioned it now like you can play the game in two options you can have it in sort of they'll speak japanese you can have it subtitled or you can switch it across to english Mm -hmm. and i played it in with the subtitles and it added a little bit more weight and um emotion to the to the game and i had to pay more attention to what was going on but you said you played it in english right from the jump you never jumped across to japanese I mean, I gave it like the first major cutscene and then maybe another cutscene. And I was like, oh, I'm going to just flick it over to English. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the same voice actor for um, KK in both English and Japanese, which is good because he's got a quite a distinct voice. Uh, and I thought that the performances were absolutely fine. Um, no issues there. It's It's hard, like you're fully uh, immersed in anime and that kind of thing so a lot of these like spirits and boss fights and creepy characters have the i guess it's like a like a like a prototypical like witch kind of like high pitched like <laughs> like that, that kind yeah, of thing going it, it on it felt it felt very anime at times yes. and like i enjoyed that a little bit but then there was a part of me where i'm like no let's just lean into the creepy and the traditional Japanese horror instead of making some of these characters very caricaturish yeah. and humorous. And, you know, we'll talk about some other zany things that gets thrown at us later in this game that further lends into that anime manga insanity. But yeah, <laughs> it was, was a bit of a missed mark where the tone in those Evil Within games that Tango did before this, it's like straight-laced, horrific, traumatic 
dread-inducing right from the get-go. There isn't a ton of things where you're, you know, giving a spirit toilet paper so it can do a poo and then leave happily, stuff like that. So, yeah, it was very inconsistent with the, with the tone, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, something we touched on before uh, regarding the spirits, there is sort of a, a, a continuous side quest in the game. So there's a quarter of a million spirits just under from Shibuya that have been consumed by this, this evil evil uh entity and you can potentially save all of them as you go utilizing the katashiros how many did you what was your counter at when you'd say credits rolled roughly like how many had you have saved by then gosh i got the i got the line that you get from ed saying like you you, congratulations you've done this many but it's only x five percent yeah yeah. five percent so i don't know twenty thousand maybe yeah, I, I was at about thirty thousand, yeah. and even like even that's hundred ninety thousand of them still out yeah. there doing whatever. But I thought that was plenty. Like was you know, do the rest of the work already, yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Find your own way home. Jeez, what is this? Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe we could jump more into into that combat. Like there is there is a little bit of variety as far as your ethereal weaving abilities, and I thought that concept was pretty cool. I liked seeing. Akito or, or KK, depending on how you want to define it, because you know Akito is using KK's mm-hmm. spiritual powers. Because you find out that that KK is part of like a ghost hunting society that's been keeping uh, Japan safe for quite a while, and and he's got this this touch to this ethereal weaving. And so the game starts, and your first ability it's it's you know controlling wind, so you can sort of shoot little little bolts or dusks it felt know. like lightning bolts more than anything it did feel yeah it was green in color very windy <laughs> it was very angry wind you know maybe there was some kind of glass shards in the yeah. wind but you get the wind later on you you also get access to water-based abilities and fire-based abilities and you also get a bow and arrow and then some traps you can use later i found myself primarily once i got the fireball which which acts in this game as you know your grenade launch you could say sure I, I was just running rough shot with that. Like you only get six or so shots of that, yeah. so you're constantly shooting it, picking up the picking up the dropped ether from the enemies to try and recharge your your ammo reserves and shooting them again. But just like we sort of said at the start of the game, the combat very dull, very repetitive, very same same. Shoot an enemy, take a few steps back, shoot it again. Uh, but I did like how you could do the uh, the removal of the cores. Like once you do a certain mm-hmm. amount of damage, it exposes their core or you know, its spirit or its heart, you could say. Yeah. And you do one of these cool like ethereal weaving hand things where you like connect it with like this ethereal wire and like rip the core out from a distance or you like rip it out with your hand up close in a stealth kill. And I thought that was really cool though. Definitely. That was the probably one of the coolest parts I thought of the combat was those core those core rips or tears with the ghost wires so to speak and the visual effects on that and all of the abilities you have are pretty spectacular Mm -hmm. um the neon colors flying around and just like the hand gestures that that akiro uh, akito (laughs) makes it's it's very stylized and, and stylish and uh certainly gives it that uh pizzazz and that that makes it feel sometimes like a triple a game uh yeah. that's really the like the thing that they're gonna use in the trailers to sell it and that kind of thing so that's where i guess i i got that line about uh double a in a triple a 
disguise. Very cheeky, but yeah, the, the combat very simplistic. The the visitors and the bosses never a challenge. Like you only fight a very small amount of bosses throughout the game, yeah. and it was very same same. Did you die a few times at least? Uh, I didn't die once in my entire playthrough. Wow, <laughs> damn. Yeah, not once. Okay, I died a couple times just through like not healing. Really, that's the thing. It's like you never really run out of your healing items so it's really just like how onto it are you or how much yeah. are you going to push it before you um let your health uh you know i'm a bit of a leroy jenkins with video games where i'm just like Ugh, healings def- blocking and healing are for wusses i'm just gonna like <laughs> see how hard i can go and get away with it and sometimes i die so yeah, I probably died like five to ten times, and, and most boss fights took me a few goes. And there was a couple of the wave things, wave sections, where you'd get hit, and then the actual healing itself takes a really long time because he's got to like chug his Red Bull or Japanese Red Bull or whatever it is, and it's not like um, a lot of games where you just press the heal button and the health goes up you've got to hold in triangle yeah you got to you got to hold a, it a and you got to wait time, yeah. for the actual animation you can't interrupt the animation either if someone's like attacking you uh, so yeah i died a few times but um hearing that you didn't die a single time that's saying something about about what they did here <laughs> yeah and it was just like 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 you you hit the nail on the head it's like just just watch your health like no cuz you've got so much hp options in your backpack or pockets or wherever he hides all these random <laughs> japanese foods and snacks like you, you never run out of healing items you can only you can carry i think off base like three, three of, of a particular yeah. type but you could have like 50 different types in there so you could have like 150 items to heal you <laughs> so you're never ever gonna be like doing the the horizon roll hoping for some berries to pop mm-hmm. up in the distance to grab so I was just always mindful. I'd see my health drop to about half. I'm like, all right, time to time to pop a Yakasoba or whatever he whips out, chomp that down and then back in the fight. Yeah. So, so yeah, I never really felt threatened at all. I nearly died in the fog because I wasn't paying attention. That's that's one of the things, like you say, it's just like take a step back. But if you take a step back into the fog, then suddenly you've got like a, a little bit of like chaos and drama and like, crap, got to get out of the fog because that'll kill me before the enemies. But that was you. I don't know if that was like by design or if it was just me losing track of, of what's around me. Nah, it got me a few times. And that was good because it sort of elevated the heart rate a little bit then, especially in those areas where you do get teleported to some, like, I guess almost like a in between the living and death worlds, right. like where you're in this limbo and you're fighting all these visitors and you do get those waves. And it got a little intense, but. I never like especially when I had that fireball ability, it never worried me too much because you could the splash damage you could do on that thing. Mm. You just like throw it close enough to a group of enemies, and for the most part, you could open up a few cores and then you just yeah. do your ability and then they go. You can upgrade it to like pass through multiple enemies as well. So you can kind of try and get them in a line and just like take out a couple at once. Yeah, and then, so, so there is yeah. a there is a skill tree and a, a progression system for your ethereal abilities as well as your um your hp like the items you can carry for health and your arrows and then there's also just some some general abilities as far as being able to to traverse and and call your own 
little flying yokai that you can you know call and port over there and allow that to just traverse onto the rooftops and things so there's three primary skill trees you can work through and and level up but yeah once i worked out what the main like where the strength was to kill things quick i just focused on that and then like the the crouch speed ability dialed that up so i was just stealthing in ripping a core out throwing fireball rinse and repeat and just clearing clearing nests that way if we're talking graphics and performance like what you said regarding that double a and triple a clothing that that's a good way to describe it like there's parts of this game where it looked brand new and and next gen and it was beautiful like when you're walking through shibuya and you're getting some contrast in the neon or, or you know the sun shining through in certain areas like and you see the ray tracing popping and it's looking really really nice but then other times, like you look at it in a narrower lens and I don't know about if it was maybe just my game was weird, but the rain that was coming from the sky looked like the GTA online, <laughs> like GTA 5 next gen version rain shots that they were showing where it looked like it was like three pixels taken from a Nintendo 64 just dropping through and the weather effects were a bit clunky. Some of the textures were a bit low poly. A lot of like the buildings didn't have that pop you were thinking you'd achieve like you'd, you'd get when you're seeing it in some parts and not others so it felt like it was uneven again i'm gonna go back to that yeah. word where parts of it looked current and up there with some of the other you know heavy hitters of the last couple of years and then other times it looked like it was ripped from a playstation 4 yeah it's i guess it's fair to use the word disappointing when there's only no more than what like 10 actual characters that you see their face up close in the entire game for there to be so few character models to work with and for them not to look fantastic is i think a little bit disappointing for uh i guess what's essentially exclusive to the current generation like they didn't have to worry about ps4 version or anything like that, so that you wouldn't think that there'd be any limit on uh, how good things can look. And yet, I don't think those character models looked even good as something like Uncharted 4 or The Last of Us Part 2 or God of War or whatever. So, and, and like we get a lot of time with with um, Aki, Akito and... Uh, KK. And KK. You see KK less because it's it's mostly like he's in his spirit realm and, and other characters are wearing masks so that kind of saves them like it's even less characters for them to to put yeah. detail into but like they, they really because aikido is that main one they really should have just like put so much into that specific scan or that uh face model that that you're gonna see so often but the, yeah the best looking face model in the whole game is his sister mari and and like we'll talk more about it later in the spoiler part but she's probably the best looking face scan and mocap or however they however they did mari in the whole game and you, you barely even see her and completely with you though like akito doesn't look as polished as you want him to be luckily you only see him in the cutscenes, yeah. like you're looking through his eyes for the rest of the game but yeah really missed opportunity like big missed opportunity there from um from tango yeah so yeah as, as far as we're talking about we're still talking about graphics and stuff but I thought Tokyo itself looked good in terms of like the different assets that they use to fill out the world as far as like dumpsters and 
bikes and you know random cats <laughs> rolling around <laughs> bodegas like, yeah yeah so, like it, so it, so many little little bodegas and, and the cats the cats that frequented them were pretty fantastic the, the yeah. dog models looked really good too i gotta yeah. say yeah until they like the, the dogs just randomly if you followed them they would just disappear like the character models would just they're gone i didn't know is that like they're a spirit dog are they walking into the fog like it was i think it was just they just disappeared the models just yeah i think it was just clipping in the game or something like i from my understanding the dogs were still just dogs obviously the cats were like yokai spirit cats were Mm -hmm. running shop fronts and businesses like (laughs) fantastic by the way but yeah the the character models were certainly a bit uh a bit underdone from a from an aesthetics point of view made me sad yeah and and just so i guess yeah i was talking about tokyo but it felt it did feel like Tokyo, as how I would imagine it would be. Um, my touchstone with that is, which especially Shibuya is like playing Persona Five. I think it's the same suburb, um, so it, it felt like Tokyo to me. And seeing like clothes scattered around from people who like disappeared or were raptured or turned into spirits, like that was always a nice cool effect. And going into buildings when you did go into buildings, they felt lived in most of the time, like vending machines and garbage and the usual stuff that you'd find. So I, I thought that um, that the design from that perspective was good. It was really just, yeah, the, the lack of um, character models, especially like when you're talking to spirits for most of the game or the entire game really, and they're just these blue translucent floating things. It's like once you've seen one, you've seen them all. Like there, there's yeah. no personality to their image. No. It's just in their weird, obscure, high-pitched tone, yeah. you get a little bit of difference. But yeah, they all look the same. Yeah. So that yeah, that's all I have to say as far as graphics. Uh, performance itself, um, I didn't have any crashes, which is good. This me either, not one, yeah. not one, not one freeze. So that that's testament to to Tango there. Like it's a very stable game that they released to market, which is good. Mm-hmm. As far as like. You know, one of the other primary hit points that we've got here is sort of the music and the sound. Uh-huh. I, I'm with you. Like, I didn't really remember any of the soundtrack or the the score that was playing through the game. It wasn't very memorable in that regard. The use of the dual sense was clever in parts, like where because KK is in you yeah. for all intents and purposes, he's he's inhabiting your body or your being as Akito. Uh, you get his voice coming through the dual sense, but at the same time, it also threw it through the television. So it's getting this weird, like loopy echo in a way. So that was a bit of a weird decision to me. Like I thought, commit to one or the other. Does that make it more ghostly though, having it echo? <laughs> more annoying for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe having having that echo embodies an yeah. internal ghost. I don't know. It's, fun- it's funny because I didn't notice the dual sense. Um, audio until I basically turned the TV all the way down because my parents were visiting and I was like, you know, if, if I'm going to keep playing this while I'm having a conversation with mum, I'll, I'll at least have the sound down. And then KK's talking to me through the controller telling me where to go and everything. And that's when I realized like, oh, that, that it's been done in a pretty cool way. Uh, the the, the effects on his voice and some of the other effects that come through that was a, a good use of the Jill sense, I thought. And the haptics when you're using the different uh, attacks and that kind of thing were, were a cool effect. But 
if we're talking about music and sound, I don't remember the music at all. And I don't know if that's because there isn't any or it's just that some generic horror mu- movie droning kind of sounds and that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And like, um, as you progress in the game and, and complete missions and side quests, they do give you like songs from, I guess, the Ghostwire Tokyo soundtrack that you can listen to. Okay. But. I didn't want to have to go into the menu to click play on it and assume that just like when you go in and click play on some of the audio messages that are left and you pick up in the real in the game world, you can't back out of the menu then and let it keep playing as you walk. You have to stay in the menu and listen to it in its entirety. So I'm assuming that might be the same with the with the soundtrack, which is a little bit annoying. But I like that there was the Japanese or English voiceover option having that Japanese discussion, as I mentioned earlier, it adds a little bit more like oomph and impact to to the exchanges, especially when there's those big screaming or yelling moments when you're, when you're KK and Akito and you're, you're yelling and, and conflicting with Hanya, the primary um, antagonist. Mm-hmm. So that, that added some nice weight to it. But yeah, from a soundtrack perspective, I can't remember a single tune I heard. Can't remember yeah. a single beat. Sometimes that's that's fine like up until the avengers movies none of those mcu movies really had like memorable soundtracks in the realm of your you know star wars and batman and rocky and indiana jones like there's their themes that you think of and associate with big movies and then all these iron man and captain america these movies were coming out and no one would be able to hum any of the tunes up until i think like the the big avengers song that we've heard like so many times because we've heard it through so many movies like we've all got that in our heads now but the, the music's just served the film rather than giving you something catchy to, to walk out humming yeah it's, that's true and that's maybe true. they went with that in this game and it just added to that eeriness i think uh to, to what they were going for that's that's me being generous i guess with that that's fair yeah. that's fair and you could be bang on like it was just maybe subliminally playing through my head at the time and i just didn't mm. really give it the, the the amount of time it needed to to be properly appreciated from my ear holes but i can't remember any i just know there's a heap of songs in my inventory that i can go listen to <laughs> one day if i decide to go back to the game but uh maybe we could jump into any other nitpicks and gripes like we didn't we mentioned that we didn't have any crashes so i don't know if you had any other bizarre bugs but i'll just sort of quickly rattle off a few nitpicks and gripes that are spoiler free yeah just want to circle back and say the weather effects in general, the, the rain and then later in the game you have a snow area you're walking through. Terrible. But the lighting, <laughs> on the other hand, fantastic. The ray tracing was really singing in parts of the game. Uh, more should come from the ability... You've got this sort of spectral ability where you can read the cats and dogs' thoughts, but you can't really do anything outside of that. It's like, okay, now I'm going to feed this dog and okay, now it's going to either go there and dig and dig up some cash for me mm-hmm. or it's going to take me to a little shrine that I can pray at to get an extra, you know, point or extra round of ammo in a gun. I mean, in a, well, a spirit gun, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, I thought the final two acts, it threw a lot of storytelling at you just at a crazy... Do you, do you mean chapters, the friend. final two chapters? Yeah, the final two acts chapters, yeah. yeah. So, so chapter five and six... They, they just maybe realized they were running low on time in the development cycle and <laughs> holy crap, instead of this being an eight-chapter game where we can pace this out a little bit more, here's just everything. Here's all this character lore and backstory. Take it all. Mm-hmm. And the fact a lot of it was told in ways that wasn't overly effective, 
I was having a hard time caring with it. And then just the the XP split you get for completing things in the game. You're getting 500 experience points on average for finishing one of the chapters or the side missions, but walking around and just randomly saving those spirits and then exporting them through the the, the phone network, you're getting like four or five times the amount of experience for doing that. So the weighting of the XP was a little uneven where yeah. it, you know, you didn't feel as rewarded playing through the, the story that actually mattered compared to saving random blue spectre number 12 floating over there yeah i didn't notice that i wasn't really focused that much on the xp but that does seem unusual i guess it's their way of saying they want you to explore to save the spirits and maybe when you're doing that you'll be drawn into doing the side missions and exploring but it didn't didn't work on us (laughs) no it didn't i i felt like my main gripe in a general sense, was that the game didn't feel like it respected your time. There was a whole lot of things that it did that just showed a lack of thought was put into that. So I'll give a few examples. When you open your menu to look at your map, it doesn't matter uh, what you are wanting to do. Like usually I was just wanting to fast travel somewhere or see how close I was to something. But every time you did that and you'd opened up a new area... It would, it would take the time to show you every side activity that you'd unlocked in that space. So, you know... And some of the areas, it went for like 30 seconds going, jut, 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 exactly. jumping around. I'm like, I don't care. I know. It's, it's so frustrating because you can't stop it. You can't speed it up. You can't back out. It's like, okay, show me where's the shrine, where's the little prayer statue, where's the little spirit that's asking for help. Okay, there's there's 10 of them. Boop, boop. like just give me all of them at once just like boom, like just show me everything with one you know effect instead of in- individually pointing out each one i didn't come here for that i actually just came here because i want to quick travel that that's just a, a good example i think of not respecting your time another one is in one of these boss fights where i did die i uh the, it was at the you know top of an elevator and mm-hmm. I had to go back to the bottom of the elevator and have the whole cutscene um, of the conversation that takes place in the elevator before you get to the fight. And like, Ugh. you get to the top of the elevator, there's an actual cutscene that you can skip, but you can't skip that part in the elevator because it's in-game, so to speak. So that was like, okay, I really don't want to die here because I'm going to have to listen to this conversation a third time. That's something where I feel like it should have just put you back to the skippable cutscene. Um, there <laughs> you just got to get good, Jono. That's the problem. Yeah, I guess die. so. The fact that there's no actually, I'll, I'll say that to later. But um, there's so many items you can reach for that you would assume is for a reason, but it's really not. So, for example, like there's doors that are half open that you can just walk straight through the middle of them, but the little icon pops up with like the L two to open it fully. And it's like, why do I need to do that? I can just like actually walk through. And this, in the same way, there's a room that you're um, playing where things are kind of psychedelic tripping out and there's at least toilets seats everywhere. And you can just like open and close the toilet seats. And I'm like, is there a point to this or is it just to have an extra layer of interactivity or is it a joke because it's a toilet seat? I don't know there. So I'm pretty sure I, I might have found like one HP-based snack in a toilet once, <laughs> I think. A lot of toilets, though. 
to dig through to get that one. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> maybe I consumed it mid-battle and got sepsis. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was very strange. And just quickly circling back to the, the door opening, the animations with the door opening, like you could see it wasn't, the game wasn't optimized. Like you compare this to something like God oh, of yeah. War where it's seamless. Where in this, it's like, I'm going to open a door. You see Akato's hand reach towards the door. <laughs> fade to black yeah and then you're in the next room and stuff like there's not not even a door opening animation no. it's just black screen then you're in the next room and it was like oh that wasn't ideal and the hand never like touches the door it's just like the hand reaches and freeze frame <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah all those things i mentioned I, I feel like they were just examples of ways that the they didn't think of the little things that add up to respect your time as, as the player who's you know Time's time's such a big thing when I'm playing a game. Like, is a game respecting my time? Is it making me replay things? Is it making me sit through long loading screens in between things that aren't important? Like, I, I just want a game to respect my time. Um, and there was a lot of loading. Yeah. A lot of loading going into certain things. Not not long load screens, but load screens. But a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. So, the other thing I wanted to mention was the lack of an end game. Like... There's a lot of side. There's so many. We've talked about. It, there's so many side missions in this thing. There's so much to do and explore. That for me, when the game asks, like, "Are you sure you want to go to the point of no return?" Absolutely, I do. You'd think that it would boot you back to that point when you finished the game. Maybe it did for you because your game didn't like crash or whatever happened to me in the credits. But it does put you back to there. To there, okay. So that that's a gripe in. Not how the game was designed, but in in the 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 glitch that happened when my game went into rest mode and did not save my progress or give, give me those trophies. <laughs> Far out. I'd give you the tro. I'd give you my trophies if I yeah, could. I'd take them. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll have to pivot to something else. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the story in detail when we get to spoiler territory. But in like a, a general sense, I felt like it was kind of bumbled because they trickled out the information that you need to know in a way that didn't really work for me like it felt like they you know everything that i don't like about a lot of jrpgs wedged into a 10-hour story where it's it's very like convoluted lore and storytelling and reveals that go over my head because i i maybe don't have a understanding or familiarity with like japanese folklore a lot of the villains like the the characters that you fight on the streets not even the bosses but just the general um the visitors, the visitors. as i was watching this law video before we recorded i was like okay this is actually quite interesting who these different people represent and uh, the stories behind them but that's not conveyed in the game it, you probably have to find collectibles and read them or just know these things so it doesn't hit in the same way. And I felt like if they were introduced and maybe KK could just like explain like, oh, the, you know, the, I guess like the Western version would be like Bloody Mary. If you like, she appears when this happens and, and she still walks the streets and whatever, like that would be the kind of thing that could have happened to explain why this lady's walking around with a big pair of scissors or what, what, what is it about these umbrellas? And there, there would be a lot that they could have conveyed in that that actually added to the world instead of just like there's random bad guys that i gotta shoot and i'm gonna shoot them 
Um, yeah, big big missed opportunity there. I think like you do find various little collectibles, like written notes and things mm-hmm. in the world, and there is probably a note that breaks down those particular visitors. But it's like you shouldn't have to leave it up to chance that yes. you may or may not stumble across that. But then secondary, you'd have to then go into the menu and read it. So there is a missed opportunity there where I think what you said, like if KK just went, whoa, whoa, Akito, that's da-da-da-da-da. And because of that, like just really doesn't have to be dense storytelling either. Just yeah. a couple of sentences. You just be like, whoa, okay, cool. I get it now. Yeah. Instead of who's, why is Slender Man here with his <laughs> mates in the business suits and umbrellas? Like what's going on? Yeah, especially because each of those people were kind of introduced one after another in this it wasn't like if you go into this area you'll find these types of enemies it was very much like as the game unlocks in order extra enemies appear and that would be a perfect opportunity to be like what was that oh that was so and so and this is why they use that ability or why you shoot them and they fall down and then they get up again like why is there a headless schoolgirl running around? Like, there's, um, there's a, like, what, as I said, watching that lore video, I, I appreciated a lot more having finished the game than I did during the game. And that's a problem. Like, we'll put a link to that lore video in the, the show notes here because I, I haven't finished the whole thing. I was about maybe two thirds through. And yeah, it was really great and really insightful and broken down in such a way by, um, gaming harry doing the the explanation of ghostwire tokyo and it at, yeah added just another layer to the game that if they did that while you're playing would have drastically improved the experience yeah i think so because because those characters were really creepy the first time you encounter them and then you encounter like six versions of them you know it's it's like not six, not six versions, but like six clones of them within the space of a few minutes, and like the shine wears off pretty quickly. Once you realize, like, ah, oh, I just have to do X, Y, or Z, and that's how I beat them. Or in my case, I can just run away from everyone <laughs> and blast them with the red fire ability if I really don't want to deal with them. <laughs> yeah, no, fair call, fair call. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we could sort of put out our spoiler-free recommendation or final words in here yep. before we pivot into full spoilers. So so looking at this game, did I enjoy it in parts? Uh, I think if you're a big fan of Japanese horror or atmospheric horror or Japanese folklore, give it a look. But I'd say maybe wait till you could get it at a discount, like at the full day one price at the moment, you know, $100 plus. Might be a little difficult to swallow just knowing what you're going to get in that 10 to 15 or, or 25 hours as evidenced by IGN. But um, yeah, like it's certainly a game that you shouldn't avoid at all costs, but just be mindful that it's not perfect. It does a few things really well. And then some other things just leaves you scratching your head thinking, why did you make this decision? Yeah, I mean, there's people out there that only have time to play like the best games that come out. And I would tell them, don't bother with this. Like, it's never going to be worth your time if you're only playing 10 games a year, I think. So to, to, to the general gamer that doesn't play everything, I would say, nah. If you love Tokyo and if you love Japanese folklore, I think that there's a lot here 
to enjoy. I think that you would get a lot out of it if, if that's you. If you're just coming here for the, as I, the word I said before, the pizzazz of the lighting effects and the combat and the uh, spectacular kind of... Um, the ethereal uh, weaving. Yeah, the ethereal weaving and the magic abilities. If that's what draws you in from watching the trailer, honestly, just play Infamous Second Son instead because it's way more fun. And <laughs> I, uh, I just think that we didn't even talk about like the lack of like movement ability in this game. Like when we said that you just walk backwards and that's how you defeat the enemy, that's because that's all you can do. Like there's no dodging, there's no rolling, there's no sliding. Yeah, there's nothing. You you crouch and you can run. And you can jump, but it's not like you can jump and hang in the air and shoot people and then come down in slow motion or anything cool like that. It's just like you can, you've got a block and you've got a jump is barely useful and you can walk backwards and and that's that really limits the options in in gameplay infamous second son is is a lot more fun <laughs> yeah all right so listeners we're going to park the spoiler free section of the podcast right here if you have yet to play ghostwire tokyo and you don't want anything spoilt as i said pause the episode here Go finish your playthrough, circle back. But if you're not worried... Full spoilers ahead. Let's get into them spoilers. And maybe we'll start with something of a more positive flavor and we'll talk mm. about our favorite moments. And yeah, the, the first one was one that you sort of just mentioned in, in sort of our closing statement there for the spoiler-free section. And it's, yeah, watching Akito and KK use those ethereal abilities, like seeing those really funky stylized hand animations... Just super cool to watch. And it never really got too tired. Like, yeah, some of the animations do take a long time to, to uh, you know, conjure. But it always looks so damn cool. It was super slick yeah. and I loved it. So that's that's my first part. Yeah, that's very like Neo in the Matrix kind of vibes at times with those, with those moves. Yeah, it sounded like it looked great. The sound effects as you're like, like tearing the air with your hands and manipulating this. It was really funky. Uh, the the illusion sections. So what we sort of mentioned earlier that there's certain parts in the game where you're. It never happened when you're outdoors. It was always when you were going into like an apartment building or one of the multi-rise commercial tenancies, and particular visitors or particularly you no know, evil spirits start playing tricks on you and distorting and changing the world around you. So there's like. The, the walls are starting to melt and all kinds of crazy textures and things are happening. The floor's going away. You know, the, the world sort of spins and tilts where you're like on the ceiling sometimes and the doorways are closing and opening really rapidly. And it gets really like haunted house, crazy fun housey vibe to it. And like even like some of the stuff you saw from uh, Remedies Control a couple of years ago. And that was really, really cool, but there wasn't anywhere near enough of that i loved those sections and you only get like what three or four maybe in the whole game yeah there, there might be more in the side missions i feel like as well yeah that we that's true through. that's true but yeah i i was thinking the ashtray maze in um control it, it had had some of those vibes of um you know the wall the floor flipping out underneath you and like inception the room turning sideways and that kind of thing it was way more interesting to to work through that, like the hospital, the first time you go into the hospital at the start of the game and super cool. Things just like it's before you've realized how 
easy the combat is as well. So it's a little bit more scary and a little bit more like, oh, I want to stealth around and um, you don't feel super overpowered or anything. So it's it's a bit more creepy and that like being stuck in that building and that claustrophobia felt like way more kind of like Resident Evil-ish than the rest of the game. Um, and I use resident. I use references like Resident Evil-ish because I don't play a lot of horror games, so I don't have much to compare to. But um, th- those times, I felt like that could have been lean, lean, leaned into more to make the game a bit more claustrophobic and creepy, and you know, some woman's climbing out of a TV like in the ring or something, rather than just like you see the enemy coming from a mile away, you creep up on them. Dead. And they should have played more with the the darkness element in it too. Like you get that at the back end of chapter four, where you're working your way through this parking lot to get to the, almost like you know the, the KK's Ghostbuster Cruise secret base in this car park, and the spirits kill the power. So you're skulking around, mm. hiding from the spirits, and you've just got to use your little um, spirit vision ability when you press square. And that was really tense and atmospheric and scary too. And, and that was the only time they really played on that light and dark mechanic. And that could have added a nice little layer to that gameplay loop as well. But we only got it that one time and it was it was pretty freaking yeah. scary in there. And especially like once you get through that area, you have to backtrack through it again and then return later. But both of those times for me, it was just cleared. And, and yeah, it could have it was clear. Did, no enemies reset. Yeah, it could have been really tense if every time you walk through there, I was like, "Crap!" Now I got to go through that area again. A bit kind of like in Death Stranding. Anytime you're like, "Oh no, it's starting to rain," and I'm walking through the BT sections, and now I got to be really careful. Like it could have had that kind of tension to it, and it just didn't. No. Instead, it's like I'm just going to fast travel there, run across that car park space, go in and see my. <laughs> check up on my spirit motorcycle um and like <laughs> that was one of my fate like it's so super dumb the story gets so out there in the final half of the game where you go to sort of uh kk's ghostbusters cruise secret hideout and you find out that one of the one of the women in the team i think it was erica or rinko i can't remember which one of the two were the ones that that were building this spirit motorbike so you've got like a motorbike ripped straight from Akira mm-hmm. and it's got some kind of special dampening on the the shell of the motorbike where it's going to be immune to the fog so you can break through to to do the final onslaught to save your sister but before you got to do that you got to cross over to the spirit world and get some special spirit motor oil for the motorbike so it'll run and it's just this whole ridiculous parodied fetch quest to find motorbike parts amongst this like city that's that's overrun with you know horrific nightmare fueled ghosts it's like no i gotta get this motorbike sorted so i can do a mad wheelie and race down the freeway and save my sister and i love that it really lent into just that absurd anime manga insanity and it was great but it was so dumb but it was so great and that was one of my other favorite moments yeah, it's hard to know if they should have lent into the crazy stuff more or less to make this game feel better. But that motorbike sequence and like the cutscene that happens after, like as you ride the bike and you know the combat with the uh, the bad guy starts happening and you're like kind of dodging him across the the highway. Like I thought that was probably the coolest moment in the game. 
But yeah, I, I haven't got anything extra to add. The um, memorable moments were pretty far and few between for me. I think the motorcycle will be the probably the most iconic thing that I that it's I remember. So absurd. I mean, some some of the boss fights, like visually, were quite spectacular as far as mm-hmm. these creatures of presumably Japanese uh, folklore and mythology, like, you know, the cat with the tails and, and there's like a multiple thing with multiple heads and big spider lady. And they were, they were memorable and they stand out because they weren't just the same crap constantly that we've seen already. So th- they were favorite moments as well. They just weren't that exciting. And we can we can probably segue that straight into like the gripes, but yeah, one of yeah. one of the things that I that I didn't like about the uh, combat was just the lack of um, strategy to these fights. Like you've got these four key abilities really between water, fire, wind, and the bow, and it was really just which one do you want to use? Some of them are more powerful than other ones. Probably use those, but it, it's not like. Like it would have been made so much sense to play almost like a little Pokemon esque game of what's effective against this enemy, what's effective against this boss. Or you use the actually, if you use the water, that like puts them into a vulnerable state, and then you blast them with the wind. Like there's so much you could have done with those abilities being elemental, but really it's just a different color of attack with a different amount of damage and a different range on on the on the attack as well so i feel like that was a completely missed opportunity and really just resulted in you know dodge learn learn how their field area attacks happen maybe you have to refill your ammo that's like the biggest strategy is not dying healing yourself getting making sure you got enough ammo and then just smash them until they're dead yeah, no, totally agree. And I, I love that idea. Love that idea where it becomes that rock, paper, scissors yeah. style where it's like, okay, the the slender man, yeah, they're weak against wind. So you just use that attack where some of the others, yeah, you have to pivot to water or fire or maybe have the bow have more meaning when you have KK attached to you as well because when you lose your powers later on, you get detached from KK yeah. a couple of times and you just run of the mill humanoid Akito again so you've got no no powers well you can still like rip cores from a stealth kill and stuff but you can't use your ethereal wind fire and water anymore but you still got the bow and the bow sucks the aiming yeah, and the the, the the sticks on the on the for the control and the aiming on the on the bow not a good time but like then the bow so overpowered it can one shot just about anything for, <laughs> for mine so I was using it a little bit later but just trying to aim consistently with it was ridiculous it's it was too it's pretty rough and even the the l2 like the aim assist was very erratic even with some of the ability so i was just naturally just lining it up with with my own eyes and firing instead of trying to do the enemy lock on with l2 yeah it had it like dropped really like had a really big drop on it as you shot so you had to always aim like higher and i i pretty much didn't use it unless i was directed to use it in the game i didn't realize it was more powerful <laughs> but um i guess i didn't need to and that, that's the thing like it you got all these abilities but there's no really rhyme or reason to use anything apart from the most powerful one so i, I feel like that was definitely a missed opportunity and and there was even a boss that would use the same abilities on you like they would i think it was the final boss he'd switch from like 
the wind to the fire to the water and like even like that's the opportunity like when he's using water you got to use wind and when he's using fire you got to use water like that would have made sense yeah no but it was just just keep spamming the hardest hitting ability you've got (laughs) yeah and when he puts his shield up just go and like use that to heal or use that to get more ammo or whatever but yeah yeah there, there wasn't much thinking required to take down anything in this game and like what you mentioned regarding the bosses where you said the favorite moment with them was seeing them visually totally agree they look great. They looked very imposing and very traditional to Japanese folklore. But then on the flip side of that, the gripes were those fights were so unimaginative and boring and just safe and just didn't excite me at all. Like a boss battle in games is meant to get the heart pumping and make you feel on edge. But I was just like, oh, here's another <laughs> boss. I'm just going to... like keep my distance charge my ability fire at it again maybe counter and block uh an ability it throws at me and i'll just sort of keep kiting around it rinse and repeat and it worked with everything in the game so that was really annoying especially with the the major bosses you fight in this game they didn't they looked like major bosses but they were like little kittens you know so many cats in this game even the bosses (laughs) were little wussy cats Yeah, and you mentioned like when you lose your powers. I always hated those sections too. And often it was just like, get out of wherever you are, get out of there as soon as possible. Don't even try and engage with people. Just get your powers back as soon as possible because it's not much fun without the powers. Yeah, it it didn't take much to get old KK ripped from your body, did it? Like it was like one quick move and oh, he's in a box and he's gone. It's like, ah, bloody hell. Also, so I guess you kind of still had the connection to KK. But like you were dead before he possessed you, so yeah. There's a lot of, of the spiritual stuff in this game. I don't understand. Yeah, well, that was like yeah, because because Renko sort of says to you when you go back to KK's safe house and she's there, remember? Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, you're not dead because you're just underestimating the bond that you and KK have. That's why <laughs> you're still connected. You know, you guys are brothers." It was like stuff like that. Like it got so cheesy and so over the top. But yeah. I'm like, "All right, I'm in. Let's let's go. Let's go save KK. Only for him to get ripped out of me again later." Yeah. Another annoyance for me in the gripes was. Like, Ed is, is one of KK's right-handed men from his ghost-busting crew, and he's the one helping you sort of ferry the spirits out of Shibuya to then ultimately return back to their bodies once all this badness is taken care of. You never meet with him. You never actually, like, speak to him in real time. He's leaving, like, phone recordings in these, mm. um, you know, mythical phone booths. So outside of, of dealing with Renko... You don't really have any other attachment to that Ghostbusters crew, which I thought was a real big missed opportunity. And it was just annoying. Like, it was just lazy storytelling in that way. Yeah, definitely. And, and like, speaking of the storytelling, it's... I Even after watching that video that breaks down the story, I still don't understand and feel like it just they just decided to make this huge coincidence where, okay, start of the game... KK is looking for a body to possess. He tries to possess a guy that's still alive. He can't do that. He possesses Akito because he's dead. Okay. Kido wants to go see his sister in the hospital. You get there and the big bad of the game is already there because his sister has touched the other side and is a potential observer. So she's the key to this whole 
his whole plot to, you know, bring back his dead family or whatever he's trying to do. It's just like, that's the sister of the guy that uh, Akito like randomly possessed. Like, yeah, it was was a bit of a reach, wasn't it? It's like, what are the odds, you know, yeah. that KK has partnered <laughs> up with the only person in the world whose sister is actually the conduit for this entire thing? Yeah, and, and like, it could have, like, as a writer, I'm thinking about, they like, could have explained it as like their family has this special ability, and like Akito was, uh, KK was like drawn to Akito because he also has this ability that the sister has, but. The bad guy got to the sister and KK got to Akito. So it's kind of like they're both being used as conduits for good and for evil. Like that, I just thought of that just as we're talking here. And it makes more sense, at least to me, than what they <laughs> explained in the game. You should have been subcontracting on yeah. Ghostwire Tokyo because that's that's great. That would have made sense and it could have been uncovered throughout the game instead of just that last rush in in chapter five and six where they're like, oh, here's here's some backstory where you've got to revisit this the hospital in and, and revisit your childhood mm-hmm. home and find out that your parents died, but you don't really confirm how they died. But also your sister nearly dies in a house fire. And I'm guessing she's dying from like she got like severely burnt lungs from breathing in all that uh, oxygen or so, but yeah, she's in hospital on life support, you could say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's she's touched the other side and hence she's the conduit for Hanya, the big antagonist. But it's just all thrown at you at the 11th mm-hmm. hour, very hastily and very lazily and messily. And it was a shame because I love good storytelling and that was not no, it. No, that, that, uh, playing through that scene, I was like, this is like <laughs> narratively, like this is the most interesting part of the game so far. And that really could have done throwing that in like chapter four or chapter three to keep you on the hook for the rest of the game um, and to point towards important things that could happen later on. But they saved it till then. And by then it was too late because I was already kind of tuned out to not like understanding what was going on or caring because we don't have any moments with this sister. Like we don't even have any we'd have no idea what Akito's life was, what kind of personality he had, what was his job, what was, you know, his family situation. Was he married? Did he have a girlfriend? Like, was he, What? What? like, we don't know anything about anyone. <laughs> so it's just like, why do I care? Yeah, we find out in that last, like, hour and a half of the game, or maybe even less, maybe the last, like, 30 to 45 minutes of the game, it, it's, it's like, okay, so... Akito has, he's a bit of an outsider. He hasn't got much going on in his life, but then he he very passionately like, I will live. I'll make you proud, you know? Like, I'm going to make something of myself. But before then, he's just just a loser that dies in a motorbike accident and gets inhabited by KK. Really, that's, that's all we get. And that storytelling and all that backstory that gets filled out, do it in some cutscenes instead of the blue silhouetted spirit shit because it was just clunky and it made me care even less then because I'm like I don't want to look at the silhouette of this of this spirit like let let's see some real emotion getting shown here in these big heavy moments instead it's yeah blue translucent spirit boy and girl talking about each other and it's apparently meant to be a heavy moment but I don't care Double A, Brendan. Double A. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like I just wonder with yeah, Akumi Nakamura leaving if this was the final vision, I'd love to know, maybe in her memoirs in a, in a <laughs> decade or two decades' time, we'll get to the truth of Ghostwire Tokyo and find out if this was just a bit of a rush mm. job to meet the agreement in place with Sony and Bethesda at the time. Who knows? Because, yeah, it didn't feel very AAA to yeah. me, JP. And on top of that, like something that bothered me, again, narratively, is Akira just kind of accepts what's happening and gets on with it. He's not like in any shock that every single person's disappeared. He's just like, oh, cool, I got these powers. There's no, like, as cheesy as it can be, there's like, you think about like Forspoken trailer with the dialogue, like, well, I've got powers. And like, Infamous Second Son was a game I mentioned. Like, how cool is it? I got these new powers. Like, th- it's completely joyless, his experience. And I guess he is going through this trauma, but they don't even touch on that really as far as like i can't believe every single person i've ever known is dead or or gone like i can't believe i died in a motorbike crash like he just does whatever he's told he's like basically a conduit for kk's revenge there 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 is two very quick moments where he does show some emotion slash resistance and then kk's like well screw you fella i'm gonna strangle you with your (laughs) own arm until you comply (laughs) so there's like a little bit of turmoil but it's like "Eh, eh, eh." okay all right let's go i'm all right now but (laughs) yeah there, there isn't any any cool like yeah superhero there's like right at the end when he reunites with kk again for for the last time there is a bit like you know it's like i miss you you know we're we're good together or whatever it's like this little bro down (laughs) moment and he shows his little hand like ethereal hand sign thing and it was like yeah power on like very power rangers esque (laughs) but yeah outside of that yeah it was was pretty joyless but um yeah so that so the ending of the game you end up getting there to try and stop hanya from from finishing this ritual where your sister is this conduit to bridge the living world with the spirit worlds because Hanya wants to bring his mother and daughter back. I mean, yeah, mother and... No, wife and daughter back, sorry. And connect to that world to then, I guess, create a new life where the spirit and the living world are the same, but he can then also live in harmony with, with his lost family members, but then they're back and he doesn't even really care. Like they're back in an undead spiritual form, but he sort of just throws that away. Like that whole driving force for him throughout the entire game, it felt like, mm. just got thrown by the wayside. And he's like, well, yeah, they're here, but at the same time, you know, they're just bodies. Who gives a shit? We're just here to bring everyone together and make it a crazy time. And you fight him. The boss battle's super weak, yeah. <laughs> um, super simple. You take him down and then you have this this last moment with KK before he accepts and then crosses to the other side because obviously KK has passed away um, in, in this game. And you pull out KK's wallet and he's like, you know, just just go talk to my, my wife and my son and let him know that I cared. And like nothing is really spoken about his wife and son until that final act where it was like, I was never there. You know, I always yeah. ran away or I never told him about anything. So it's like, you know, men, men bridges, random yeah. Aikido, Johnny Smith's just going to rock up to their door and be like, hey, your dad's dead, hunted a lot of ghosts, he's a bit of a badass, but he really cared. <laughs> like, mm. we don't even get that moment either. We just get Akito walking up this giant set of like a thousand stairs to a shrine and then it cuts to credits. Like, Yeah, it doesn't show like that people haven't all been killed. It doesn't show that like the real world still exists, that that... that- 
these people that uh, KK is talking about are still alive. Like you're just kind of left thinking like, like I, I, I ended the game thinking, does everyone get brought back to life? Like I was just completely confused. Yeah. So, so the way that that Ed's spectral phone worked is that he could ferry the spirits out of the cursed Shibuya area. And then once that curse was lifted, he had a way to then release the spirits to make their way back to their body in Shibuya. So all those 240,000 spirits could hypothetically come back and live again, but it's never discussed. It's never shown. So, you know, that 20 to 30,000 that we saved, we never got anything that popped and said, oh, you only saved 11% of the population. Pretty pathetic, guys, or whatever. (laughs) It was nothing like that. It would make sense there to have an end game where it's like, okay, you've still got... you've. You've still got a lot of work to do to save everybody. Go out there and and get them all back. Instead, it's like you mentioned that there there being like a good ending, and I guess we may have got the bad ending. Like, is is there a? <laughs> we rarely even got an ending, to be honest. <laughs> is there? A... <laughs> we got a little bit of closure. <laughs> is there a cutscene that's like if you get fifty percent of the spirits or a hundred percent of the spirits that it shows something more? So yeah, there there isn't really a a good or a bad ending of sorts there's just a ending um where yeah you you take down hanya and then you you see your deceased parents that are actually taking the body of mari you obviously your now deceased sister who helped indirectly save the world because she used her spirit powers to combat hanya mm-hmm. and stop the underworld or the spirit world from from joining with with earth and yeah you have this moment where Akito has a big moment of clarity in Zen and it was, yeah, he's says goodbye to his sister and then he's like, I'm going to live and, and I'm going to have a full life and I'm going to tell you all about it when we meet again. And that was it. Like that was the big emotional hook, the big payoff of this game. I, I thought seeing the parents with the, like the, um, the cloth pieces over their faces with whatever was written on it, like that was a really moving moment and I'm not too familiar with where that slots into sort of Japanese folklore and, and, and death and tradition, but it was a very pretty moment that where you're on the on the steps on the way up to one of the the big shrines and there's, you know, big trees everywhere, the the sun's piercing through and it was a really nice touching moment, but the game was just too far gone for me to be fully invested in that moment and get overly emotional that I would have probably if they gave me more weight to this game throughout the other hours prior. Yeah, that there's no like it really needed flashbacks to the relationship with the sister throughout the entire game, not just the end of the game. Because all you'd know of her is she's the chick from the hospital bed, basically. Yeah. Your sister's not well and you're going to save her. That's that's all you got. Yeah. And there's no like reference to you know the cataclysmic event that wiped out the population and any of that kind of thing really um half of the souls weren't returned or five percent of only five percent of the population (laughs) remains after a huge catastrophe um there's a lot they could have done with it and just keep coming back to that double a feeling where they just half did a lot of stuff. I mean, I said before it wasn't half-baked. Maybe, maybe it was Maybe it was half-baked. In concept, like the concepts were half-baked and they went 
all the way with those halfback concepts. I wonder I wonder if they've got any planned DLC for this game where maybe they will touch on some of those things that we've mentioned that hasn't been addressed. Like I was hoping, and hence why I let the credits roll, I was waiting for like mm. Akito's phone to ring and maybe it's Ed on the other line and he'd be like, yo, we got more work to do or something like that. Yeah. To like get you a bit excited instead of it just being, I'm just going to walk up these stairs and live a full life. I guess I'm going to go and buy another motorbike and, uh, you know, go about my day, maybe pat some dogs that I used to be able to talk to, but can't anymore. Like it was just a very flat ending for me. And I was very like, oh, all right, I'm going to go watch, uh, watch some anime, which is far more <laughs> enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. You said something there, Brendan, that made me think of something we haven't mentioned. <laughs> if if we can just add to an extra nitpick and gripe. You mentioned going up the stairs, and there's a lot of stairs in this game that you cannot go up. <laughs> the perception that this game is an open world, yeah. um, it is not. It is, it is a very open Shibuya, and there's a lot of exploration to be had. But once you've erased the fog of doom... There's certain buildings you go up and you're like, oh, there's a stairwell. That'll allow me to go up and, and maybe go into the next level or onto the roof. And it's like you walk there, you get to that bottom step and you're hit by an invisible barrier. Mm-hmm. You cannot get through because they didn't code that into the game. And they're like, no, you can't go there, Akito. Keep walking. And it's very frustrating. It is because all, the game already feels, with all the fog, like very limiting in that especially towards the start where you haven't unlocked a lot of those gates or you don't... I didn't even quite realize that, okay, the the key to exploration is really just unlocking as many gates as possible. So even just going A to B in a straight line, oh, there's fog, can't go that way. It, it just made the game feel like it was funneling me through a linear path in an open world. And it just it just sucks all that sense of exploration and freedom away and then you you see a staircase that you can't walk up like put a bin in in the way like just close up put a gate across it like make it clear you're not meant to go up here instead of teasing a player with a path that can't be traversed like that's like it, it feels wrong for anyone to sit here and say that that's not how you make a game, but that's not how you make a game. Like that's not what is totally. Agree. That's not totally that's not agree. a design principle that is commonplace in a triple A game. So again, I keep coming back to this thing. It's just it doesn't feel like a triple A polish on this thing. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. Uh, it it pissed me off constantly where I'm like, oh, okay, I can just get up there to, to get up to maybe the gate that's on yeah. the roof. And it's like, uh, 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 you got to navigate from that other building over there and then, you know, do your teleportability to one of the flying yokai to get you over to there. And it's like, oh, oh my God. Okay. Okay, I get it. The open world is a lie. I'm on rails here. Yeah. All right. But uh, JP, maybe, maybe we can give our last words on Ghostwire Tokyo. You can go as spoiler as you like. And um, I guess my closing line on this was um, what could have been. Mm. There is some potential and promise shown in certain moments in this game that we've both talked about here that were really positive and exciting and scary and cool. And there's just not enough of that in that 11 hours of gameplay. Like the, the good is outweighed by the bad monotonous constantly. And I just think, yeah, 
maybe there's some inner turmoil that was going on at Tango at the time. And then obviously the Bethesda acquisition with Microsoft. Did that play a part? Like what was going on behind the scenes to make this game come out the way it did? So yeah, I'm always going to wonder what could have been. Definitely. Because the concepts and some of the ideas in this game are fantastic. And there's a version of this game. If you just describe the best things about it, it sounds like a really good time. And it's just not. So putting my conspiracy tinfoil hat on and not understanding at all how these things actually work <laughs> i wonder if uh, <laughs> if uh once the acquisition happened microsoft and bethesda were just like do not put in any extra effort into this just ship the game as it is and we'll just move on to the next project like let's not waste any another thought on this and we kind of saw like a real lack of marketing from Microsoft for Deathloop and for this, like PlayStation, it was all on them to promote it. Um, Bethesda didn't promote it themselves, really. It was all about like PlayStation had to carry that load. So I wonder if that seeped into like the dev process as well. Again, I have no idea how these things really work. But, um, you know, if this is Tango Gameworks doing their best effort, I think... Uh, Sony just says, see you later. We're not going to miss you too much, really. <laughs> have fun Have fun with this, Microsoft, because um, whatever, like, they would have paid a lot to get the exclusive you know, console rights to this game. And I think that with everything that's available to play right now, I don't see this being a huge seller in the way that they would hope it to be, especially like you look at the lineup of even the second party, like... Uh, the PlayStation exclusives that they usually pull over, they, they do a lot better than a 75 on Metacritic. We're talking about like Returnal and Persona 5 and these kinds of games that they make these deals for. Um, Final Fantasy 7 Remake initially. I think that was a PlayStation exclusive. They do so much better than this. So I just, I think that they'd be very disappointed and not not shattered that they won't be able to release Tango's next game. It's a shame because, yeah, Evil Within franchise, phenomenal and leaps and bounds better overall than uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Good good moments in the game, but overall just fell short for me. And, yeah, just, just if you've listened this far, maybe, you know, if you've got thoughts, good, bad or otherwise, hit us up on the socials at Brendan8Bit, at Jono himself or at WeAre8Bit. Would love to get your feedback and opinion on Ghostwire Tokyo. Did you love it? Did you loathe it? Are you somewhere in between like us? Because it doesn't feel like the things we're saying is isolated. It doesn't feel like it'd be unique to our experiences. Uh, like 75 to 79 on PC. I'm actually surprised it's that high. <laughs> like, and, and I'm not just trying to yeah, no. kick this game in the guts for the sake of it. It feels like, a, as you know, if we're going to go with, numerical scores here you know a 65 game for me something like that that's where i'd place it i feel like yeah 65 to 75 based on how much do you love like the the folklore and that kind of thing that that i mentioned before because because if you're really into that and you get everything that's happening there's probably a lot more to enjoy if i if i watch that folklore that law video that law and order fight by what's his name gary what's his name um yeah, yeah gaming harry gaming harry sorry not 
yeah, Harry, not Gary. If I watched that and spoiled it before I played it, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. So, and I was reading the comments and there were people reading it who haven't played it yet saying, this sounds great. Like, I can't wait to check this out. Uh, Because the game has just released and this video is breaking down everything. So, people obviously don't care about spoilers. They might even be listening to this. But um, I think there is something there. But unless that's your jam yeah it's definitely more of that like c straight c maybe c plus kind of thing and as said before definitely wouldn't recommend it to people that only have time to play like the bangers definitely definitely but if you can get it at a steal maybe pick it up or you know in 12 months time when this timed exclusivity is gonna no doubt lapse and it'll end up on game pass Play it through then as part of your subscription True. service. And yeah, that's it. But um, listeners, thanks for stopping on by and listening to JP and I rant and passionately break down the game that is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, be sure to rate, view, subscribe this podcast as well as all the other podcasts you're listening to on the regular. Those ratings and views cost no money, take little to no time and mean an awful lot to us and helps keep those emotional lights on going in our hearts if you want to support us monetarily, obviously ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit with subscription tiers starting at the low, low price of $1. Shop8bit.net is our official web store. JP, have you got anything else you wanted to, to throw into the ring before we close this spoiler cast studio down for another finite period of time? Uh, just a quick plug for Comedy Rewind. Last episode released on uh, Tropic Thunder and very soon we'll have an episode on Zach and Miri make a porno if you want to Ooh, hear great film. some uh, conversations about those movies how they hold up in 2022 check out Comedy Rewind and um, yeah Tropic Thunder you did with Zach and Lockie from News to Reviews mm-hmm. who are you doing Zach and Miri with? Uh, I've recorded that with Trevor Scott from Bitstorm Podcast Ooh, nice nice that'll be fan- I've listened to the uh, Tropic Thunder episode fantastic uh, even if uh, Lockie did get his Austin Powers <laughs> trivia mixed yep. up there it was still a hell of a listen I'm looking forward to Zach and Miri mm-hmm. but listeners uh, that brings us to the official end of this Ghostwire Tokyo spoiler cast thanks for stopping on by it has been a pleasure to serve this one up for you but until next time may your life be spoiler free.